This podcast contains adult language and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Grant. And I'm Erica. And this is From From Crime Crime to to Crime. So, are you Cubs or White Sox? Ooh, neither. You gotta pick one. This this case is in yeah. Chicago. You have to pick one. I would probably say Cubs. Okay, cool. I like the Cubs a little bit more too, but I think uh, everyone in this story probably likes the White Sox because they are on the south side, which is definite White Sox territory. So, well, you lived in Chicago for a hot second. <laughs> yeah, a really hot second. I lived there for about a month. Yeah, but in the month that you lived there, you had to deal with DCFS, which is a big part of this story. So I did. Yeah. When I went to Chicago, it was actually for work. I was working as a behavior technician. And yeah, I had to we had to deal with uh, with DCFS, with the police off duty and off and on duty. It was it was quite quite the spectacle. We it was a whole thing. But um, yeah, it was it was a good time. So you can understand some of the things that are in this case that are. Oh, totally. Yeah, reading some of this stuff and looking into this case, I can understand why the mom made some of the choices that she did after talking to people in the area. Well, let's get into it tonight. We're going to be talking about the Bradley sisters. Tionda Ten and Diamond Three were two of Tracy Bradley's four daughters. Her two others, Rita, who was twelve, and Victoria, who was eight. Those two were staying at their grandma's and because they were planning for Victoria's birthday, which was the next day. So according to Tracy, the girl's mom, on the morning of July 6th, 2001, which was a Friday morning, she left for work at about 6.30 a.m., catching a ride with a guy named George Washington, who was her like on-again, off-again boyfriend, and apparently he was Diamond, the youngest daughter's dad. And she left and left the girls home alone, asleep on their third floor apartment and she's caught a lot of flack for leaving a 10 year old and a three-year-old alone while she goes to work and I understand that she's not going to party or anything she's going to work but she has caught a lot of flack for this yeah I'm not sure it's legal to leave kids that young home alone I don't think it is yeah which comes into play a little bit later in the story when her story changes back and forth and she gets a little iffy on where she was and what she was doing. Right. So like Erica said, Tracy left around 630 and she called home to check on the girls around seven or eight, but no one answered. But at that time, she just figured, well, it's still pretty early. They're probably just still asleep. So after dropping Tracy off at work, George supposedly spent the day with a girlfriend and his mother. And then he returned and picked Tracy up from work sometime between 11 and 1230. And like we said, the details are a little iffy because she's given different accounts to police over the years. And when they got back to the apartment, the girls were not home. But there was a note from Tionda and said that they had gone to the store and then they were going to go to the park afterwards. And handwriting experts say that the note could have been written by Tionda. But I have seen interviews with some of the family who are very skeptical on whether or not she wrote this note because she wasn't known to write notes. Right. But the people who are the experts in this, they're the FBI. They're the ones who are saying, hey, this checks out. So I'm inclined to believe it. Yeah, but handwriting analysis is not not a solid, you know. Yeah, that's true. And on second thought, a 10-year-old's handwriting even more so. That all yeah. lo- looks to, looks alike. So who knows? Yeah. 
So the family spent that entire day looking for the two girls anywhere that they could think they might be. They called the two sisters at the grandma's and said, hey, have you guys heard from your sisters? You know, they checked the park. They checked the stores. They, they really did look everywhere. But around 630 that night, Tracy finally broke down. And that's when she called the police to report the girls missing. Yeah. And the police took it very seriously from the start. Finally, because we've heard so many times how they don't. So it's I'm glad to hear of a case where the police actually take this kind of stuff seriously and get on it right away. Even though, you know, they did have some time in between because obviously it was at 630 at night and Tracy got home about noon. Yeah, but that's why right off the bat, the relationship with the police was pretty tense. She kind of lied at first and told them she was asleep. And then she told them that she was at work. And then there was this whole story about the whole family going on a camping trip. And that's why the older daughter, Tianda, wasn't at summer school that day. But most of this has been attributed to her being afraid of DCFS and afraid that they were going to take her other two kids away from her for leaving these two home alone when they shouldn't have. I completely believe that she was afraid to call the police because of DCFS. When I was working with DCFS, nobody wanted to deal with them. Like It was like the last resort of things that we had to do. And they did get involved with what we were doing and making sure we were doing the right stuff. And the police that we talked to, they all said like, hey, DCFS is the worst in the nation to get involved with. Like You do not want to be wrapped up in this. Right. And I'm sure there's contentious relationships there between the community and the police or the community and the foster care system there. There's a lot that... If you're not from here, you don't understand. And I totally get that. Very true. Very, very true. I would have had zero idea of how anti-DCFS people in Chicago right. were had I not been involved with DCFS in Chicago. So it's it's nothing to mess with. Yeah, and I get having to leave the girls home alone in an emergency, but I don't understand the whole part where George, who's Diamond's father, spent the night and then drove Tracy to work in the morning and then went back and picked her up later. Why wouldn't he just go back to the apartment and watch the girls while she was at work? I've heard he went and visited a girlfriend and his mom that day, so it's not like he was at work. Why wouldn't he just take the girls with him? Yeah, and I've heard that the girlfriend he went to go see was an actual girlfriend. It wasn't a girl that was his friend. It was an actual girlfriend. And, you know, kind of the only thing I can think about this is there are just some people who are bad parents. They're just not good at taking care of kids. You and I were lucky enough to be raised in a house where people took care of us and there was expectations put on us. But a lot of people, a lot of kids don't have that. So I'm not saying he's right and should have done that, but I think that isn't too big of a surprise that he did do something like that because I think it's a lot more common than we realize. Yeah, I know. So that part's always been kind of, for me, it's hard to understand. Like I said, it's easy to understand how she would have to do that in an emergency, but this didn't feel like an emergency. I mean, he took her to work. Why couldn't he take the girls with him? Right, absolutely. He obviously wasn't working. Yeah, he wasn't doing anything this day, but... Police did look everywhere for these girls, though, and they started to canvas the apartment complex right away. And they were going door to door on this apartment building. They were looking everywhere, including Lake Michigan, that they did by boat and by air. And I don't know if you've ever seen Lake Michigan or not, but it is huge. It looks like the ocean. There's no way to see the other side. So obviously it's needed that they would need all of this equipment to canvas this area because it's a very big area. Yeah, Lake Michigan is huge. Yeah. 
So later it was discovered that there was this voicemail from Tionda on the morning of the 6th on Tracy's phone that said that George was at the door and asked if they were allowed to open it and said they were going to go pick up Tracy from work and then go get the cake. This voicemail is no longer available. Somehow it got erased. And the only retelling of it that we've heard is from some family members who have given interviews So we're not 100% sure whose phone this was on, if it was on her work phone, a cell phone. We're not sure what George she was talking about. We're not sure if the cake was for the birthday party the next day or something totally different. We don't know all the details, but this is what the voicemail supposedly said. Do we have any idea of what time that voicemail came in or no? No. Okay. Well, there were two Georges in the story. George Washington, who we've already talked about, that was Diamond's dad. And he's the one who took and picked Tracy up from work that day. But there was also another George, a George Sr. And he lived in the apartment complex and he was known to watch the girls from time to time. So we have these two different Georges and we're not sure which one could be which because, you know, it could have been either of them. Right. To me, though, the George that babysat them sometimes from the complex, would they really call their mom if he was knocking on the door because he's their babysitter? Like, they've spent time with him alone. Would they really call their mom to ask if it was okay to let him in? Yeah, I think so. Because from everything I've heard, there were strict rules that you do not answer the door. You always call me first. So yeah. I, I can definitely believe why she would call first and go, hey, mom, like, George yeah. is at the door. This is what we're going to do. And then if her mom didn't answer, you go, it's George. Like, we know him, you know. But the other thing is... They talked about going to pick Tracy up from work and going to get the cake. That other George wasn't going to pick her up from work. George Washington did. That's true. Good point. Wow. Really good point. I hadn't thought of that detail. So you're right. So that would make more sense if this led back to Diamond's dad and founding father, George Washington. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) So it came out later that a few months before the girls went missing, Tracy had actually sued George Washington for child support in a paternity case, trying to prove that he was Diamond's father. But obviously they were amicable by this time, but it seems like maybe there was some ups and downs, which to me makes the most sense why the girls would call their mom and ask if they could let him in. Because it's like, well, sometimes she's mad at him and sometimes she's not. So they don't know. Right. One, I've heard, too, that this wasn't the first and only person that she sued over Diamond's paternity. He was actually closer to the third person that she had alleged was was Diamond's dad. Right. Police never name any suspects in this case, but they don't give up. So good on them for that because they went all out. There was even national media attention for this, and it made headlines all over the country. They searched landfills. They searched old railroad cars, lakes, neighborhoods, and they even checked over 5,000 abandoned buildings as well. So the police really did turn everything upside down looking for this. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, that has to be a typo. And then I searched a hundred different news articles and they all say 5,000 abandoned buildings. Can you believe there's even that many abandoned buildings in Chicago? Um... Yeah, kind of. Chicago's got a lot of buildings, and especially on the south side, it's not a very nice area in certain areas. So, yeah, I can believe that there's that many abandoned properties or buildings. I can't even wrap my head around that because where we grew up, property is worth so much. You don't see abandoned buildings or houses ever because even a house that's that's terrible is going to sell for a million dollars and someone's going to demo it and build a nice house on it. (sighs) 
I know. That's why I'm going to have to leave California eventually. Yeah. I don't want to. So to me, it's like when they're talking about, oh, we searched this abandoned property and this abandoned house and this abandoned... I'm like, what? Is real estate just free there? Why do people just let things <laughs> go abandoned? Because it snows there. No one wants to deal with that. That's crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, 5,000. That's nuts. The only abandoned building I can think of from where we lived... Circuit City. Circuit City building, which I don't think is abandoned anymore. I think they did something with that finally. Yeah, they turned it into a Ross. Yeah, and then that, remember that Audrey's store on Chapman? Yeah, yeah, they finally turned that into a to a dialysis, dialysis center. <laughs> but, th- but that was empty for probably 20 years or so. That yeah, was that empty was forever. empty for a long time. Yeah. A long time. So anyway, after September 11th, 2001, the media coverage died down quite a bit on this case because obviously they were a little preoccupied with the other stuff going on. But nobody in Chicago forgot about these girls. They hold a vigil every year. Well, and there have been a few leads in this case still. Rumors that the girls were being held in a small town in Illinois, obviously close by, and even in a state away in Indiana. But so far, none of them have turned out to be them. There was one girl in Texas who, in 2008, she claimed to be Tionda on MySpace, and she even went as far as to contact the family, but that one turned out to be a hoax, and can you imagine just how horrible that was for the family, for them to think, maybe, finally, and then go through all of it to realize, no, it's not her after all. I know, that's evil. It really is. I can't even imagine what the point of that is. Like, what do people get out of doing stuff like that? There was another one a couple of years ago with that Timothy Pitson kid. Where that guy claimed to be him. Do you remember that? And everybody thought they found him for a minute? Yeah, I do remember that. And I mean, we seem to have these things happen in a lot of these major stories that somebody somewhere will say, hey, I'm him because they're looking for that attention or whatnot. It's like you are not helping and you're only making everything worse for everyone. I know. It's terrible. Yeah. So that's pretty much the gist of the actual disappearance. Right. These girls just kind of disappeared. So what happened to them? Yeah, so I guess theory time. Theory time! Yeah. So the first theory is that the girls were kidnapped while they were went to the store, the park, or somewhere in between, and they were sold into a human sex trafficking ring, which, you know, could could be true. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. I think for this theory to be possible, we would have to believe that Tionda wrote the note and that they really did leave the apartment to go to the store or the park, like they said in the note. Because I think for a stranger to have abducted them, they had to have left the apartment first on their own. They would have had to, but that wouldn't explain the voicemail that we've never heard either. So maybe there never was a voicemail. Yeah. No one's heard it except for, you know, a few members of the family. So Mm -hmm. we don't know. I've never been able to confirm through research that the police have ever confirmed the voicemail either. I've heard it on other YouTube videos and podcasts, but I've never seen anywhere where... It's cited that the police confirmed there was a voicemail. From what I've heard about it, when the police asked for the voicemail, Tracy said, oh, it mysteriously you know, disappeared. I accidentally erased it or whatever. But I mean, I know it's 2001, but I would think at that point police would still be able to access a phone or, you know, something. But I guess they weren't as sophisticated as they are now. So, well, that's not. the other thing, too. It's never been stated that it was a cell phone. They could have called her at work and it could have been left on a work voicemail or a work line and they don't have any access to that. Maybe maybe Tracy doesn't even have access to that. Maybe it was deleted by her employer. 
That's a good point. I never did think about it like that, but if I remember right, her work was at a park. Not that parks don't have phones, but it would be a little peculiar to to call the park, I think, and leave a message for her at work. But again, it's 2001, so it's very likely she didn't have a cell phone yet. They were just starting to come out. That's what I was going to say. I don't know when you got a cell phone, but I, I was too young in 2001 to have a cell phone, but my parents had cell phones in 2001, but I'm sure not everybody did. We are the same age. I'm significantly younger than you. Significant's a big word, Jim. <laughs> we were born in the same year. I had a cell phone probably in late 2001, early 2002, <laughs> I think. I'm trying to think when I got, because I got my first cell phone in seventh grade, so. What? Okay, so if I was in eighth grade in 2001, you were in seventh grade in 2001 because you're a year behind me. Okay, so I got my first cell phone in 2001, but then I immediately got it taken away because I learned how to text. And I don't know if you remember, but texting used to cost like 10 cents a message. Oh, yeah, that was a big thing for a while. Yeah, I had like a $750 phone bill and my parents snapped a little bit. Oh, did you do a lot of phone calls before 9 p.m. too? That, that'll that always get you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I forgot about all that. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. There you go. So they're out there. People are starting to get them. But yeah. at this point, not everybody gets one. Because like I said, I don't think I got mine until 2001 or two. But I it could have been 2003. I know it was in high school. Well, the only reason I got one in seventh grade was because my brother was supposed to pick me up from school every day and he would forget like four days a week. So <laughs> Four out of five. He'd, he'd hit Monday and be like, yeah. oh, I'm off the rest of the week. Yeah. So I had to have a phone to be able to call my parents and tell them that my brother forgot me. <laughs> That's super Which funny. is why you don't leave one kid to watch your other kid. Just PSA. So that theory is possible, but of all the theories out there, I don't think that it's the most likely of them. No, I don't think so either. What are some other theories? So another theory is that the girls were kidnapped by Tionda or Diamond's biological fathers or somebody who thinks they might have been their father. I've heard stories that there was a guy that had been paying child support for one of the girls and then he had recently found out that he wasn't her father. So I think that's where that theory comes from. Like maybe he was really upset that he'd been paying child support for a kid that wasn't his. But I think at that point, wouldn't you just be like, oh, I'm off the hook. You wouldn't like go kidnap them. No, certainly. If I if I was in that situation, the only thing that I think I could see is going, okay, well, goodbye and distance myself as fast as I could. Yeah. So that's the only thing I could see somebody who was raising her as his own keeping her as well but obviously that that didn't happen here no because one of the leads that they've talked about possibly tianda's biological father was from morocco and they abducted the kids and took him to morocco yeah but to me that never really made any sense because it's like if he found out that she wasn't his why would he take her to morocco yeah that doesn't make any sense at all if maybe if he figured out it was his i still don't know yeah. why he'd kidnap him and go to morocco but i guess it would make more sense And why both of them? I guess you can't take one without the other. I mean, if it was Diamond's dad, then the 10-year-old's going to say, you know, know what's going on. So I guess you have to take both, if that's the theory that we're going with. Take them both, and then, you know, no one saw or said anything. I guess it would be more of like like a revenge thing on Tracy, rather than about the girls at that point. Is that what you... I like more of like a he's mad at her for what 
no, went if on. He, so if gonna... he was the dad, I could see him, you know, going. No, I know, but but that's the story is that he found out he wasn't the dad. Yeah, I can't think of a scenario why he would kidnap them unless except it was. Except to get back at Tracy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, except to get back at Tracy. Otherwise, I don't. There's no point in my mind that, that makes any sense about that. Right. So I, that theory is very unlikely. And some of the investigators even traveled to Morocco and looked into this theory. And it, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of weight to it. Wow. I didn't realize they went to Morocco to look this up. That's wow. That's crazy that it went international. That theory is very unlikely. The, one of the more likely scenarios, too, is that Tracy lied and she had something to do with the kid's disappearance the night before. And I don't know that that one I believe either because there, it just doesn't seem to add up. But then, honestly, that takes a lot of work and planning and stuff. And I think that someone like Tracy would leave some loose ends for us to find. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense. Nobody else saw the girls besides Tracy and George. Yeah, definitely. You know, the morning of the 6th. But... What's unusual about that is then why wouldn't she just say that something happened to them in the middle of the night when she was asleep? Because that would make her look better than being not home. Yeah, it's true. That would make her look a lot better, I guess. I mean, but then I guess they're looking for fourth century and things like that. And so it comes. Well, back but they're looking for that either way. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I don't know why she would she would make that up. That yeah. part doesn't make sense to me. So the one theory that does make a lot of sense and is that George did something with the girls after he took Tracy to work and before he picked her up. That one does make the most sense because we most likely know that he was around that time. He was known to be around the girls, so they would have no problem going with him. It would explain the voicemail. It would explain the voicemail. But what did he do with them? Well, that's then there's other theories on top of that. There's, you know, a theory that something happened accidentally and he didn't know what to do and he covered it up. There's theories that he did something horribly violent to them and covered it up, that he sold them. To me, the selling sounds the most logical. I think that that might make the most sense, unfortunately, and it's disgusting and horrible and the worst possible scenario. But yeah, that one seems like you said the pieces all kind of line up for that one. Yeah. And it's really sad, too, because if it was a random abduction, which is very rare, yeah. or something else happened, it is really sad because it all kind of lines up to look like this was the story. Because everything fits. But he was never a, a suspect, was he? No, the police have never named him a suspect. And he voluntarily let them search his home. And his car. And I think there was a hair of one of them found in his car, but that makes sense, too. Like, he was... Allegedly one of the girl's dads, like he was moving him around. So, yeah, I can see how that would make a lot of sense. Right. That doesn't throw me off at all because I'm pretty sure my hair is all over your house. I'm pretty sure it is, too. And you haven't been here for like three weeks. You should. I know. My hair's everywhere. So I get it. And it's bright pink. So we know when it's yours. Yeah. (laughs) I can't even deny it. You can't. There's no, no way you can. So it is an interesting case. And it's sad the divide that it kind of seems to have put on some people think that Tracy had something to do with it. Some people think that she's a totally innocent victim, you know, and it's really hard to think about her being involved. You know, I don't want to think about her being involved. No, I don't want to. She's their mother. Right. I would hate to think about that as well. But 
the family yeah. seems pretty divided on it. Half of them seem to think that maybe she didn't do something, but she is in the know of what happened. And then the other f- side of the right. family is thinking there's no way at all right. that she has any idea of what happened to these girls. So, Right. And from what I've researched and read, it seems like after the girls went missing, Tracy moved out of the area, changed her phone number, and George went with her. And I believe they had more children. At least one more child. Wow. Together. Mm-hmm. That. And some of the family members who are very vocal and trying to keep this story in the media and keep an eye on this story and keep people interested in it, they've called the family who has the phone number now and has told them, like, look, listen to this story. This is what happened. Your phone number might be the only phone number they know. So, like, the people who own that phone number know that someday they could get a call. Wow. That's... I would ask for a different phone number. I would say I don't want that one. I don't I don't I don't need to be involved. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you would feel like I would feel like I needed to put a rec- like a tape recorder on my phone line. Definitely. Like every time I answered the phone, I need to record it just in case. Yeah, definitely. I could understand that. Yeah. So, as we said in the beginning of this episode, this happened on July 6, 2001. And today is the release of this episode on July 7th. 2021 so 20 years almost to the exact day of their disappearance we decided that this was a great way to honor them and a happy birthday to their sister victoria as well whose birthday is today yeah so tiana was black 10 years old and around 70 pounds when she went missing which obviously makes no difference now because she would be 30 years old so she's probably not going to be 70 pounds or 10 years old anymore if she is out she may still have a scar in her left arm forearm though so if you see it yep supposedly she has a scar on her left forearm that's the size of a quarter from a burn of some kind and diamond was a black three-year-old about 40 pounds and she had a scar on the left side of her head and she's been described as having really dark eyes like really dark eyes and i don't know how much that would change like a brown no like people have described them as black like almost scary dark eyes Oh my gosh, that's interesting. And I don't know how much that would change as she got older. Because I know babies' eyes change when they're babies, but she was three. Oh yeah, I would hope it wouldn't change at all, or if anything made them more black and scary, because that sounds pretty cool. Well no, I mean for like people being able to identify her. Well yeah, me too, but I I, I think it sounds pretty cool too if they were black and scary looking. <laughs> if anybody does have any information on the Bradley sisters, please contact the FBI at 312 312- Four two one six seven zero zero. Yep. So I think that's about it for this case today, bud. That was quick. Yeah. I had a way I was going to end this, and I can't remember what I was going to do. Oh, well, was it Finding the Bradley Sisters? Because if so, that would be a real showstopper. <laughs> I wish. No, it was something way more lame <laughs> yeah. than that. Well, how about we end it with our usual? All right. I love you. I love you, too. I'll call you later. Free Britney. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was actually thinking on this whole entire episode that you did not bring up Britney Spears, and I was surprised because I definitely thought that was going to happen at one point yep. today. There it is. Free Britney. If anybody wants to start a Free Britney march or something, I would be happy to attend. Just let me know when and where to be in the in the West Coast area. Yeah. Free, free Britney. Britney.